Hello everyone and welcome to the Power From Port podcast. I'm your host Jamie and tonight I'll be previewing Port Adelaide's Clash versus Carlton in round 22 of season 2021 and that's to be played at Adelaide Oval at 4.05pm Central Standard Time. But uh, before I do, let's take a look at the week in the news. Okay, so early on in the new, uh, earlier on in the week, should I say, uh, I forgot to uh, talk about uh, just the um, the Alir Alir uh, racism kind of uh, statement that came out to the club. I think they released a statement before I uh, recorded my review podcast of the showdown, but uh, I just wanted to touch on that briefly. Uh, just because I just find it astounding that in 2021, after all these incidences with um, uh, racism uh, on social media and things like that, that the likes of Facebook and Instagram and the like uh, don't still don't have verification limits uh, or for new users to provide verification. I know it becomes a bit of a touchy uh, subject maybe with people handing over identification uh, to private companies like that. However, there are various platforms uh, in different aspects of life where you do need to provide verification. Um, and it just amazes me that they haven't cracked down on it. I mean, to draw it right back, not even to prevent, you know, trolling and, and racism and all these negative aspects of social media, but purely just to not flood their systems with bot accounts, troll accounts, fake accounts, anything you want to call it. But then, you know, it, it hits home when uh, someone's purely just set this page up. I, I haven't actually seen the page myself, but seeing that someone has created a page just to purely hand out racist feedback about Aaliyah Aaliyah, who was clearly best on ground in the showdown. So... It's really disappointing, and like I said in my preview podcast about Taylor Walker, it's just ridiculous that this kind of thing's still happening. People are obviously, half the people that do do it are probably genuinely racist and they're idiots, and half the people aren't. They just are dickheads and they want to get a rise out of people. So um, good to see the club make a statement quickly and more or less have Aaliyah's back, obviously, as we all do, but move on and um, and get on with the week at hand. Um, with things like that, I doubt they're actually going to be able to trace it back to someone, hence my you know verification comment. So uh, it's really easy for people to do that, and until it doesn't become easy, uh, it's I, I think, unfortunately, it's still going to keep happening. Um, it's really on to those private, co- private companies like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter to require verification. It just makes complete sense in this day and age. Uh, and, you know, on another level with, you know, t- things like teenage bullying and, and bullying in general, um, it's just an easy way to stamp it out, I would have thought. Um, the next item in the news this week was uh, Rocky Tom Rockliffe uh, announced his retirement after 208 games. Uh, he mentioned in his speech both uh, in to the players and in his press conference that, Port Adelaide probably didn't see his best football. And uh, before I watched the press conference, I was talking to my brother who who broke the news to me on the day. And uh, I, I mentioned that aspect uh, that 
he came over to Port with high hopes, obviously wanting to play finals, uh, and we were in pretty good position in the last four years to to do that. Uh, he ultimately did play finals with us last season, and um, yeah, I just uh, yeah, it was just telling that injuries ever since he walked in the door were going to hold him back. Unfortunately, I think he said he did three shoulders. He's done both knees and then to top it off, he's got deep vein thrombosis, which may last up to a decade um, or it may require him to take blood thinners for up to a decade, which is really disappointing uh, because you could just tell that it meant a lot to him uh, to come over here and, uh, him wanting to put in a really good effort to contribute highly in our team. Um, it's really admirable of him. The way he spoke about uh, his intentions and how he feels about the club. Uh, and uh, in saying that, uh, his 2018 season in particular was fairly interrupted, in my opinion, remembering back to the early stages of it. He got himself up in, in the end for the, the clash against... Brisbane after starting fairly slowly that season and I think he pulled one out of the bag just to take it up to his old side but yeah he really, really struggled to get through it but looking back on his numbers in 2019 and 2020 he was putting up some elite numbers uh, according to champion data and I guess it just kind of reflects the standards that he holds for himself that although the general opinion is that we probably didn't see his best football. And in his opinion, we didn't see his best football, but to still be putting up some fantastic uh, statistics in 2019 and last year when he did play. And I think he played uh, 18 games in 2019 and 16 last year in a COVID affected season. So um, although yeah, he would have liked to provide more. He still did provide us with a lot in his time here. And personally, I, I hope to see him stick around the club. He mentioned the love that he has for the club since coming over here. And uh, those who have been to the game or pay attention on the uh, the vision on the TV uh, when they cross to like the bench and things like that, he is still involved on match day, sitting on the bench and not probably giving some match day coaching and advice, bits and pieces to players around the club and players on game day. So it's really good to see him still be involved. And like he said in his speech to the players, both him and myself, I hope to see him sitting on the bench uh, in the last match of the season when we, when we hopefully win the big one. So uh, yeah, congratulations to Tom Rockliffe. Uh, I wish him all the best in his future and thank him for, you know, some of the highlights that he has provided and the hard work that he's put in both on and off the football field for Port Adelaide Football Club. Uh, one highlight of that obviously stands out for me is uh, last year's game against Richmond at Adelaide Oval when he took down uh, what most uh, the person that most people would think is um, immovable in Dustin Martin and <laughs> then razzed him up enough to get the 50-metre penalty uh, so that was uh, that's just one brief highlight from mine. Um, but yeah, it's a bit disappointing. But all, all the best to Tom Rockliffe going forward. Uh, the next uh, fantastic piece of uh, news this week was our man Miles Bergman got his Rising Star nomination, and uh, he was my hot player. And yeah, we get a shitty little pre-programmed. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> cheering noise there. Um, super happy for Miles Bergman. Uh, he's a, becoming a little bit of a fa- uh, my favourite. Um, just a solid player. And I mentioned in my review podcast that although no one expects him to uh, win the Rising Star Award, it's just a great tick of approval and a good reward for effort. Uh, for his season so far and, and the hard work that he's put in. Uh, I still want more from him. I want more from Miles. Uh, I saw him on AFL 360 earlier in the week and then he had his own press conference. Um, and yeah, he's just uh, keep keeping his answers nice and simple and sweet. And um, yeah, he's obviously got a few, few nerves still. I just, yeah, give me more. I want to know everything about him. I love him. Um, and it, it's it's super solid in his press conference. He mentioned that he, you know, due to the COVID affected season last year, he's only actually played one SANFL game, so one fully mandated second tier game, and he's played uh, nineteen AFL games this year, I believe it is. So <laughs> when you put that on paper, that's amazing. Usually, and like he said, you would play generally a whole season, uh, unless you're someone like Connor Rosie, Zach Butters or Xavier Dersma, a, a whole season before you'd uh, come into the AFL side. And yeah, sure, there was um, scratch matches and, and things like that last year, but nothing that truly reflects that match day uh, pressure and just coming up against a genuine opposition when people were swapping guernseys and things like that and more or less just going for a run and having a bit of a kick. Uh, last season so again like I mentioned in my uh, showdown review he's obviously got a good head on his shoulders he applied himself fantastically both last year and in the off season leading to to this year and uh, it's paying dividends and it's hard to see him coming out because he keeps contributing week after week I I, yes he was my cold player a, a couple of weeks ago but at the time he was unlucky to get that and um, he hasn't really put a foot wrong. He's trending in the right direction. So super f- happy for Miles Bergman getting the rising star. Um, next game off the rank is the 22 under 22 squad was announced uh, this week and it contained two Port Adelaide players. One of those being Willem Drew and the other being Mitch Georgiatis. Uh, again, another really good tick of approval for some of our young players. Uh, we do have more eligible, but with those being uh, Zach Butters, Xavier Dersma, Connor Rosie, all having kind of injury interrupted seasons, uh, definitely affected. Uh, you can't get, you know, they don't really pick these things based on reputation. It's based on the season that you have. And those three have yeah been out for most of the season except for Connor about being up and down with injury it's good to see two other young guns uh get put in the limelight so to speak in uh, Drew and George um again just another great um great sign for Port Adelaide fans moving forward to you know all the limelight has been put on those uh big three uh, young guns uh and uh, earlier in the season, while we were kind of a bit up and down, um, and up and down still a bit rough, of a rough way to put it, but there was just a small, like, little few comments popping up and down uh, earlier in the season about how, you know, it, yeah, you're not sure about poor, and, you know, they do have some older players, and, you know, now's the time to strike in terms of a premiership. 
just because, you know, Travis Boak is probably our oldest player or something like that, but he's not going to stop. Um, but those people saying those things neglected to take into consideration some of the just ripe young talent that we have. And with Drew and, and Mitch Georgiatis being under 22, and then those three that I mentioned before, plus some other people in and around that 22, 23 mark, uh, it just bodes very well for the next 10 years. And I, I don't see those two players going anywhere. They love the club as far as I know and from what they've said themselves. So, yeah, Drew getting in with the uh, 18.8 average disposals, 6.7 tackles, and Mitch hitting the 30 goal mark. I've spoken about these two players in a few of my uh, previews and reviews, as, as well as Miles Bergman for, for that matter. And, um, yeah, I, I put in my vote. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate, uh, the 22 under 22 side is actually a, a fan um, decided team in the end uh so you've got until august 18th which is next wednesday to enter your team so i would highly recommend doing that uh, to show some support for willem drew and mitch who i firmly believe actually deserve to be in that uh for you know 22 players under 22 yeah, in their own right i mean willem drew is top five in the league for tackles and mitch georgiatis is 19 and he's broken the 30 goal mark so yeah Nothing more to be said there. They both deserve it, so get voting. Um, the last piece of information uh, that I wanted to highlight was the AFLW announcement. Uh, a fantastic effort by the football club and a fantastic moment for the AFL in general, uh, but more specifically for us. Obviously, we all know when the AFLW first started uh, about six or seven years ago. Uh, we did try to put a team in before we knew that the AFL was only going to pick one. Uh, and at that time, we obviously had vision to enter the China market uh, to try and drum up some, you know, some more financial backing. And me personally, uh, something that I love about this football club uh, is its, its desire to take risks knowing that they may or may not pay off. Um, and their reasoning for trying to enter the Chinese market was fair, in my opinion. I mean, when you've got a team in Adelaide who did enter the AFL first and they, for all intents and purposes, represent the nine other SNFL clubs, they've got a lot of backing behind them. And in a state of South Australia, which isn't massive in terms of economy, uh, there is only so much pie to eat, so to speak. So like Keith Thomas and everyone at the club said at the time, we need to seek, we need to, you know, go after other sources of funding. And they thought China was the best option for that. And as far as I know, it was doing quite well before COVID. Unfortunately, that has gotten in the way. Um, so yeah, I digressed a little bit, but uh, yeah, the AFL was only going to bring in one Adelaide team when the AFLW first broke. And uh, I mean, personally, when that was announced to be the case, it kind of always was going to be the Adelaide, in, in my opinion, unfortunately. Um, however, it does mean uh, as good as it would have been to be the first female team at the time and, and build up a few years of kind of, I guess, history in uh, that league, 
again, having, you know, someone like Aaron Phillips be the, you know, poster lady of our football team and football club. Um, we do, however, have that knowledge of how the past six seasons have go, as uh, Matthew Richardson said in his press conference, or someone asked him the direct question in his press conference about the fact that although we haven't been in there, we've been able to watch how other clubs navigate their way through the AFLW and things like that so that we can apply best practice to try and make our club impact uh, instantly and uh, be competitive from the get-go and generally how we run that aspect of our football club. So it's a fantastic Fantastic week in women's football, but also, and most importantly, for our football club. Um, Richo mentioned that it's the club's preference to have a head coach that is a female, which is, um, yeah, I think it was a bit of a criticism of the AFLW in general uh, not that long ago. And I doubt that the club is doing it purely... Uh, for tokenistic reasons or anything like that by that stage at the end of next year it does kind of make sense and but like you said as long as it's the best candidate for the job um but with that being the case obviously the next kind of question was are you going to try and lure Aaron Phillips back to the club to be a a coach or a player coach or something like that and Richo to his credit played a, a very straight bat to that question and I mean, I don't know if the writing's on the wall. Uh, you know, we we all know how much she loves the club. Um, obviously, having great family ties to it, uh, and yeah, I guess it may be a little bit of a pipe dream now. Who knows? We'll wait and see. But I think it would be counterproductive to just focus on one player. We obviously have uh, our female next generation academy underneath that's already been up and running for a fair while now and uh, one of those representatives won the SANFLW Best and Fairest Award and yeah, uh, it's in our best interest to focus on many aspects, not just Aaron Phillips in my opinion. So uh, we'll wait and see on that one. Uh, We'll wait with bated breath, I'm sure. Uh, Another point on that though is they're obviously going to be playing their home games at Albert and Oval. So Although we do have the, the Magpies playing there in the SANFLW, uh, Albert and Oval is actually going to get national exposure now. Yes, it is AFLW, so the market, the national market isn't as big. That's fair enough. But nonetheless, it is the national stage. And, uh, yeah, our, our fortress and our, our beautiful home at Albert and Oval is going to be put on show. And uh, just on a side note, if... Any Port supporters haven't got on board with the Port Adelaide Council's um, proposition or Port Adelaide Football Club's proposition to upgrade its facilities um, and improve it for community use as well. I'd highly recommend getting on and doing that because there is just a small vocal minority trying to go against it. And look, I don't know the complete in, ins and outs of it. There is some people who live around Albert and Oval uh, and then I think there's talk of people who aren't even in the area. They just have a general hatred report and they're jumping on the bandwagon trying to work against the club. So I'd, I'd recommend getting onto the Port Adelaide Enfield Council website, going to the upgrade 
um, provide your feedback uh, section, uh, whatever you want to call it, and just voting in favour of Port Adelaide Football Club's uh, proposal to go forward. Uh, the more people that get involved and, and help out the club in that way will we'll go a long way uh, because, first of all, we're starting with the women's side of football in that upgrade. Um, and uh, if it's going to be on the national stage, yeah, we got to do all we can to just bring it up and bring it closer to the 21st century and, you know, 2022 and further by, by that stage. So, yeah, get on, uh, get on and do that. I already have. Um, I may have twice with a work email as well. So um, the last point I wanted to make on the AFLW, there is a talk of the Guernsey being uh, different to a minor extent. Uh, Matthew Richardson said that uh, there will be an announcement uh, or like a um, unveiling of the female Guernsey, which will have a slight variation to it. I've heard rumours of like somehow magenta being implemented in some way with that being obviously one of our um, original colours in the SANFL. Uh, back in the day. Personally, I hope we don't go too far from uh, the men's Guernsey. Uh, you, you know, um, I'm all for the prison bar argument in the men's competition uh, and everything they want to do with that, as it does represent the history of the football club and the men's team and, and that aspect of it. But the the black jumper with the teal and white chevron is our AFL jumper. And I, you know, that's our identity. And I hope that the female Guernsey is very similar to that. Um, there's no need for them to wear the prison, prison bar on one hand, in my opinion, but the two, any major change, like if they're going to make it a magenta and white chevron on a black background or a magenta background with a, a black and white V or well, yeah, I, I personally, I just hope it's not too different and, and um, they keep it fairly similar to, to show a bit of unity as well with our two football teams, male and female. So that's the last point I have on the AFLW. Great news, like I said, and uh, yeah, I, I've bought my foundation membership today. It's $50. So uh, yeah, it's not too much to ask to throw some support that way. Um, you know, it's a couple of, you know, adult meals out or something like that, however you want to put it. Uh, yeah. And I like, I like lapel pins myself. My, my scarf is covered in my membership pins. So yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of addicted to, I get an AFLW one for signing up and I'll put that one on my scarf for sure. <laughs> All right. How about we get into the game? So the ins and outs for tomorrow afternoon's match, uh, starting with Port, we have coming in Tom Cleary and Todd Marshall, and going out is Sam Powell-Pepper, who's been omitted, and Trent McKenzie, who is injured with a hamstring strain. For Carlton, coming in, we have Mitch McGovern, Levi Casbolt, and Brody Kemp, who makes his debut, and going out, we have Liam Jones, Harry Mackay, Jack Silvani and Jack Martin, who was a late out today. They're all injured, um, Levi Casbolt being the one to come in for Jack Martin. Um, looking at Carlton's form, uh, their last five games have netted two wins and three losses. Their average points four are 76. Their average points against are 81. Uh, average winning margin across those two wins is 30 points. Uh, and the three losses coming at an average of 28 points. Um, 
Our form, four wins and one loss still over the five-week stretch. That Melbourne one still lingering. Uh, our average points for is 76 points. Our average score against is 68. Uh, for the past five weeks, um, our average winning margin coming at 18 points and that one loss coming at the 31, which doesn't do well for averages being uh, an outlier in its minority. Um, so my keys to the match... Carlton have, I mean, oh, it's the team that always, always um, promises a lot <laughs> and historically doesn't deliver. They've been so up and down this year. And more recently, like I said, you know, the, the difference between their best and their worst is pretty big. They're, with their average winning margin being 30 and then their average loss being 28 over the past five weeks. And those losses have come to, you know, the likes of Gold Coast and North Melbourne. And to North Melbourne's credit, they've been in fairly good form. Uh, Geelong as well being the third one, uh, who are obviously up there and battling, uh, not battling for a top four spot. They're definitely uh, going to be in the top four. So really hard to gauge them week to week. They're probably the most inconsistent team in the league. Uh, I think they've been win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. They've only won one a stretch of, uh, you know, two in a row or something like that. Um, and now, especially with that loss against Gold Coast last week, they'd found themselves not playing for much. Uh, yes, you know, there's been a lot of pressure in the media this week, especially around David Teague and their defensive efforts being put under the microscope and just, just their general demeanour and their use of the football not being that inspiring. Uh, that they are all banged up, uh, most notably with all those players going out uh, injured. Uh, and then another one, Zach Williams, he, he wasn't, uh, or should I say he was already injured last week, but I think they've announced today that, yeah, he's just ruled out for the rest of the season. So uh, it's been a tough year for Carlton. Uh, they're primed for a bit of a smashing at the hands of us as where kind of the opposite we've had our injuries earlier in the year and done quite well to battle through them but now we're coming up pretty healthy and uh you know in a game that's uh, tomorrow afternoon uh, the weather forecast is 18 degrees with early fog in the morning but it's supposed to clear up and be a sunny afternoon so uh could be quite an open or attacking style game um I would think that Carlton would have to bring the same pressure as the Crows did to us last week to be any chance of beating us. Uh, but to ask that of Carlton is a pretty big ask. Yeah, sure, they had the loss, so uh, their kind of obscure form line would say that they're due for a win. And look, they they also have a club stalwart in Mark Murphy who plays his 300th match this weekend. And... He's kind of been nursed through the last few games. I think he's been the medi-sub for the last few games, but I would expect him to start in his 300th match. That'd be pretty It'd be pretty average to, you know, make him medi-sub and, you know, you play a quarter or, or something like that unless something drastic happens. So, look, they do have a, something to play for, I guess. I mean, you know, as I mentioned, they didn't have much to play for. They do have something to play for. they uh, Mark Murphy's 300th and, and with all their criticisms, uh, that would be the messaging throughout the week. But you see this kind of, 
you see this kind of match uh, late in seasons where a team like Carlton, and, and it generally has been Carlton a, a lot of the time, I think we played them in 2017 and it was around this period of the season where we were getting ready for a final series and they were missing out as they do and we absolutely belted them. But you see it around the league time and time again. A, a club is under pressure, but they're just weary. It's They've had a long season. They've got injuries. Their coach is under pressure or, or whatnot. And, yeah, you know, they may come out hard in the first quarter or the first five minutes or, or whatnot, but the better team rises above and just runs riot like we did do uh, back in 2017, if, if that's the correct year I'm thinking of off the top of my head. And, look, they've got a serviceable midfield in – Kennedy, Kerno, Mark Murphy, if he is starting and, and playing around the centre. And then they have their two guns in Paddy Cripps and Sam Walsh, who's having a, a fantastic season. But objectively, they're not as strong as our midfield, uh, especially this time of the season with our Brownlow medal hope in Ollie Wines, Travis Boak, who's just evergreen, Willem Drew, who is just putting together a solid, solid season, you chuck in the likes of Zach Butters, Connor Rosie, uh, Xavier Dersma, Carl Amon running through there. Heck, Dan Houston may even get a run through the middle tomorrow afternoon. It's just there's a lot more polish, a lot there's a lot of X factor, a lot of uh, dynamic ability in our midfield. Um, so although Paddy Cripps and and Sam Walsh uh, guns in their own right, it, yeah, like I said, they would have to bring a mountain of pressure. And I don't think I pay credit to the Crows. They did it. It was a showdown. Um, you, yeah, you see a team like them and maybe Carlton, it's their best avenue to a win is to bring the gun opposition down to a, you know, a very modest level and scrap it out. But yeah, i, I got to say, I've been generally, yeah, although uh, Adelaide have finishing, what are they, second bottom now, I have probably been a bit more impressed with the way they go about their football this year in comparison to Carlton. So, um, yeah, I just personally, I don't see Carlton being able to sustain that level of pressure for that long. And again, being an away game at Adelaide Oval with 15,000 poor fans screaming at them. Um, yeah. It could be danger signs. Um, look, uh, there was one notable aspect to our first half in particular against Adelaide. It was kind of our lack of, not lack of pressure, but yeah, uh, we just kind of seemed off. We, we didn't seem to be applying ourselves well and stuffing up at some critical moments and with our transition forward and things like that. It came out afterwards that uh, from, I think, Brett Montgomery was in the media saying and, and maybe a couple others just mentioning that our week was still interrupted. And, I mean, I don't like to use excuses. and I know they don't like to use excuses, but it seems that there was a bit more to it um, leading into the showdown for us coming back from Melbourne. And um, in comparison to this, se- uh, this week, sorry, uh, it's been much more fluent. Uh, they've been able to rest after the showdown and uh, train properly. I'd imagine recover properly. And uh, so we're coming into this game, uh, hopefully 
with a clearer mind and um, a clearer focus. Again, not to make excuses for last week's performance, um, but yeah, having that having that solid, fluent week will hold us in good stead, I believe. Just going back to the midfield group, uh, Carlton have been left with one ruckman in Sandra Koenig, and it re- it really means that Scotty Lysett and Peter Adams should absolutely dominate. They have been in good combination uh, form-wise and, I mean, trying to rely on a kid to take on two big, uh, genuine Ruckman uh, and Scott Lysett just, you know, being that aggressive component and then Laddams being that a bit more, not silky smooth, but having that midfield ability and then the ability to go forward and kick a goal it's a real good game where Scott Lysett could probably see himself as best on ground if he has, um, you know, 75% of a good game against a really young up-and-coming ruckman for Carlton. They had uh, Jack Silvani rucking for them. I think Paddy Cripps even got involved at one point against Gold Coast last week. So it is really quite average. And when we played Carlton earlier in the season, they still had Mark Pittnett uh, to... Um, take most of those ruck duties. We may see Levi Casbol uh, pinch it in the ruck, but yeah, I mean, he's a part-timer and I expect Scotty Lysette and, and Pistol to um, to really dominate in that area of the ground. Uh, so we'll wait and see on that one. Um, Carlton, much like Adelaide last week, are missing a crucial key forward up in their offensive half. And that is obviously Harry Mackay. He's had a fantastic season. He's leading the Coleman. I'm not sure if he's going to be back next week, but with Taylor Walker and Josh Bruce being the two behind him, he's still all but sewn it up. But it does leave a lot of work for Carlton to do up forward if they're going to put up a winning score. He's kicked 58 goals, as everyone would know. Um and being involved on average uh, 6.3 times with their scores uh, per, per game. So it is a big hole to fill, especially when you go to their next best goal kicker. It's a huge drop to 25 goals for Eddie Betts, who is on the back end of his career. And, you know, if you're relying on, um, you know, a mid-30 year old small forward to kick all of your goals against uh, top four or a top two fancy in Port Adelaide. Uh, that's a huge ask. The, the next best below Eddie Betts is Matthew Owies with 15, who I don't even think is playing. So for Carlton to kick a game-winning score, they're going to have to put in a lot of effort. There. It's just a huge hole for them to fill. So could they take inspiration from Adelaide last week, reducing the game down to a scrap and kind of trying to stop us from scoring more than uh, them trying to outscore us, I guess you could say, which has been their philosophy earlier in the year, and it's kind of telling in their unaccountable defensive efforts. But Harry McCoy has taken a lot of that load on himself and done it to great effect. Obviously, he's leading the Coleman up to this point, but um, it is a huge ask for them. We, we know... As sports supporters, we've seen Mitch McGovern in the past. He's been handy. 
However, he's never had to be the number one the number one guy. When he was in great form for Adelaide, he was, you know, still their number three forward. So he was taking the third or fourth best defender when you had Taylor Walker and Josh Jenkins and then Tom Lynch going through the forward line back when they were playing really good football a few years ago. Um, so Mitch McGovern's had his troubles. You know, he's been in and out of that Carlton team, both with injury and form, since he's been there. Uh, I don't know if he's capable of taking on that number one duty. And with our defensive group coming back into some great form last weekend, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of work, let's be honest, and doesn't bode well. Casbolt may, you know, he seems to pop up here and there. I think he kicked three goals, or two at least, in the previous game against Carlton this season at the MCG. But again, he's underdone, and I think he's still playing through a bit of injury too. Uh, Trent McKenzie's been in great form for us, and he goes out. But then you know <laughs> we've got a great inclusion in Tom Cleary, who hasn't really put a foot wrong this year, apart from getting a broken jaw. So our defence is primed to just soak up every forward thrust that they try to make, and... I don't know if I'm being too comfortable with these assessments. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those games. I, I guess I kind of felt this way last week with all the turmoil at Adelaide and up until about half an hour to an hour before the showdown and I, my insides all locked up and got those pre-showdown nerves all of a sudden. And, yeah, I'm a, I don't know if I'm being a bit too casual about, again, about Carlton um, leading up to tomorrow's game, but... You just, you just got to be honest, and like they just don't stack up. You you judge based on many factors, and their behaviours, their their form, their list. Yeah, it, it just does not bode well. Um, I like to look at things more or less objectively, and you know there is obviously subjective value. I'm doing a port podcast, and I'm a devout port supporter, but. Yeah, our forward line has got... It's probably the most dynamic in, in the league now with everyone coming back. Like I said, our defence is coming into some fantastic form uh, last week as a unit. Um, our midfield, like I said, is better both on paper and in a form sense as a whole uh, when you compare it against Carlton's. Um, Sam Walsh has had a fantastic season, but... Uh, I guess you tag him out of the game and that has been shown to be effective the couple of times that that's happened recently. I can't remember who did it. I want to say DeBoer just because he's one player that, well, he's a tagger, as everyone knows. So, But um, Walsh got a hard tag recently and Carlton kind of crumbled. Uh, he did his best, gave his best effort. But when you take another Brownlow fancy and they're probably their best and fairest for this season out of the equation. Again, it leaves too much to too few in that midfield group with Paddy Cripps being slightly off the boil. I kind of expect uh, uh, Ed Kerno to go to Travis Boak. They seem to that always seems to be the matchup. Uh, they've had a bit of a, a good battle historically over the years, um, obviously, if you're looking at it in um, 
in a form and you know overall seasonal sense, then it would make sense to maybe go to Ollie. But it just seems that and don't get me wrong, Travis Spoke has been in some great form. I probably haven't spoken ever since my first uh, couple of episodes. I haven't really spoken highly enough of Travis Spoke. He's just been going about his business and. I briefly mentioned in my review of the showdown, he probably could have got, you know, up there with the best midfielder, at least honorable mention, because his numbers were great. So I do expect Ed Kono to go to him again. Um, but I, if we're going to win, I think the right thing for us is to put uh, Willem Drew on Sam Walsh and just run with him all day. We know how accountable Willem Drew is. He's put an, enough of, <clears throat> excuse me, he's put enough work in and provided a big enough body of evidence to say that he could absolutely do it as soon as Sam Walsh gets the ball he could tackle him to the ground no worries with his wingspan tackle as I've mentioned before um but moving on to oh just to finish on the our defensive end uh, I kind of expect Cleary to work with Casbolt and Aaliyah to go to McGovern um and our halfbacks to kind of run amok uh, that Houston Burton Bonner combination is really starting to purr. Uh, they're all using it well. They're all getting plenty of the ball, and um, really marshalling that half back line, repelling uh, the opposition, and putting in some great chains for us moving forward. So then, moving forward, uh, I mentioned before it's probably the most dynamic. In the league, when you've got, well, we've brought back Todd Marshall, who I thought was a bit unlucky to miss last week and thought maybe it was due to the bit of the weather component, even though it didn't rain. However, it was dewy. Uh, it didn't rain on the night, uh, although it was quite moist from the days in the morning uh, leading up. And it was dewy, as it always is, around that time at Adelaide Oval. Uh, so we've gone back to the four tools. But like I've mentioned before, they're all good both in the air and on the ground and around the ground for that matter when you um, take into account Todd Marshall's uh, ball use ability coming off of the wings and half back and the link-up play that he does, Laddam's ability around the ground and up forward, uh, Dixon just running a mark and who knows, I wouldn't be surprised if Dixon was a laid out, uh, but you got to take the team on face value. He's been named and he's just going to be an, an absolute headache. Uh, he, with Liam Jones going out as well, I mean, uh, I'm wearing this phrase out, but it's too much to too few, in my opinion. The next best defender is Lockie Plowman, who has had a pretty poor year and got exposed against some good forwards. Um, I expect Weedering to tackle Dixon, uh, and he should do quite well. I, I rate Jacob Weedering. I feel quite sorry for him, actually, um, being such a good defender in such an average team. And uh, he is one high draft pick for them that's <laughs> kind of absorbed the pressure and, and worked on his game and, and improved out of sight. Um, I think... I can't remember off the top of my head who was up against Dixon earlier in the year. I can just think back to the game last year uh, at the Gabba and uh, they had Liam Jones up against Dixon for most of the game. So with Jones going out, that just that leaves him with one option. But then we've got an informed Mitch Georgiatis to back up and 
wreak havoc on their backup defenders. You know, I, I just ask myself, you know, who goes to these people? Uh, who's going to make them all accountable? Uh, and then to make matters worse, you've got the likes of Connor Rosie, Zach Butters, Orazio Fantasia, who should be better for the couple of weeks that he's had, all just nipping at the heels, waiting for the crumbs to come. Um, yeah, if, if the Blues are unaccountable like they have been shown to be at a, a lot of times this season, it, it could be a case of how many goal kickers will we have. We could have many. Uh, I had a look back at the last game and we had nine goal kickers against Carlton at the MCG and, and they were a bit up and about. And I did think that we managed our game um, at that part of the season. I felt that we were kind of building leads and winning them in third gear. Uh, personally, I feel that was intended. Other fans have their own theories and, and criticisms and whatnot, but I think due to the fact that it is a long season again, after a shortened season and COVID-affected season, I did think personally that that was a, a long-term play. Obviously, that cliche that the AFL season is a marathon. And, yeah, I just felt that we were... Um, Managing games when we knew we had a lead and um, I felt that both Blues were up and about at that part of the season and, yeah, we we were just too good and outlasted them. So when this game means so much for us in terms of locking away a top four spot and then giving ourselves the best opportunity to play for the top two spot against the Bulldogs next week, that nine goal kickers, I, I want to hope for 12 tomorrow afternoon. I, I really want us to put the foot to the throat, absorb the pressure that probably will come early from Carlton after the week that they've had and flex our muscle and hit back. We've got them covered in every line, in my opinion. And uh, with the weather being clear, you know, no negative kind of effect to the game. Uh, I That's what I'm, I'm hoping for and, and I'm expecting. I mean, uh, like I said, I, I've, probably feel a bit too comfortable and as football fans we know that if you get too comfortable you can quickly be slapped in the face a little bit but I haven't even mentioned Robbie Gray who likes to play against Carlton himself so (laughs) oh um I was lucky enough to get a ticket uh you know good on thanks to my old man uh he carries the flag with getting those group tickets. Um, being platinum members, we were priority two because we we haven't been moved from our seats this season. So, yeah, one of the lucky 15,000 who gets to go tomorrow. So I'm hoping for a, a nice, comfortable day out at the footy um, uh, with my family. <laughs> so moving on to my game prediction. Um, look. After all that being said, I had a prediction written down, but uh, I've got to use the same criteria as I had with the Crows. I, with, I had port by five goals originally, and that was mostly due to the fact that the Blues have been pilloried this week. They've been criticised to no end. David Teague, their, their club, like I've mentioned, it, Mark Murphy's 300th. Um, but that was before I saw their team list, their injury list, their late outs today. Uh, you know, really taking into consideration what we have to play for and just breaking down those lines one by one. 
I'm going to, I have to use the same criteria as I had against the Crows, even though it didn't work out that way against them. We're a two goal per quarter better side than Carlton. So I'm turning that five goal prediction into a, an eight goal prediction. Um, on a great afternoon at Adelaide Oval, I don't think that's too much to ask. So we'll wait and see. It, it could, it could even blow out even further if we're, if we're on like we, we need to be. Um, my best on ground prediction, I've actually got Ryan Burton. I've been really impressed with his last month to six weeks of football. I feel that he, again, in this marathon mode of the season, he's really paced himself well and built confidence in his body and just turning himself into a Rolls Royce. He, he was close to being best on ground last week, to be honest, if... Alir didn't have so much impact. Um, uh, you know, Ryan Burton could have probably, yeah, worked himself up there. And uh, uh, although he, earlier in the season when we played Carlton, he was still working into the season himself and building his uh, building confidence back in his own body uh, coming off season 2020 and his off-season, uh, he's purring along nicely now, uh, really using the ball well, breaking through the lines, breaking out of the defence, intercepting, uh, taking a lot of marks and really putting a lot of good pressure on. He's very versatile and super happy to have him and I predict him to have a best-on-ground performance. I um, That match against Carlton last year, uh, I like I mentioned before, he played three quarters and he was still ended up the best on ground for us. Uh, obviously, the heroics from Robbie stand out in everyone's mind, but I, I remember watching that game and, yeah, Ryan Burton put up a great performance before going out with a hamstring, I think it was, in the last quarter. So, best on ground, Ryan Burton. Uh, my big improver for this match, uh, I mentioned before that Robbie Gray likes to play against Carlton. I had a look at the last five games that Port have played against Carlton. And Robbie's kicked 13 goals, five. So that's a pretty good average looking at it. And um, after the run last week in the showdown and with his history against Carlton and their lack of defenders and solid defenders, I'm picking Robbie to um, be better for last week's game and um, improve on last round. So moving on to my best bet. So for those following my best bet segment, uh, last week I tipped Dan Houston to get the 20 plus, uh, which he cleared quite comfortably. I think he finished with the 24 disposals um, off the top of my head. So we're two from two in that aspect. And uh, if you knew the podcasts, my philosophy is low risk, consistent rewards. Look, um, I'm quite proficient in that aspect of life. Uh, I do kind of play the long game. By all means, if you want to put my best bet into a multi or, or something like that, that's completely up to you. But like I always say, gamble responsibly and, and don't risk any more than you're willing to lose. So with that being said, um, a bit of deja vu. I, I, I had a look at multiple markets. Uh, the line is at... 35 and a half points this week. And although much like last week, I've tipped a eight goal win. Um, just, uh, I'm not a huge fan of betting on lines when they're around that six goal mark, even five goal plus mark. Um, it is a lot of points. 
you know, one injury or a couple of injuries, um, you know, a team not quite on and, yeah, you could easily lose that. So it's trying to move away from margin uh, markets like that. I've gone with the Dan, Dan Houston 20-plus again. Uh, I don't know if they're just like giving everyone a free hit, but it's around that $1.92 mark again like it was last week. So that was on Sportsbet and, and TAB, uh, the Dan Houston at 20-plus. Hopefully we get a hat-trick of best bets. So that just about does it for me. I uh, hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode. Thanks for listening. Uh, I appreciate everyone who's jumped on board. Again, if you could give me a like on Facebook, if you haven't already, uh, give me some feedback on some of the bits and pieces that I'm posting throughout the week and um, give me some feedback on the podcast if you're listening. I really enjoy talking to other Port fans just with their opinions and views and whatnot. Uh, I'm always good for a chat. Uh, so... Yeah, jump on there, say hi. Um, I look forward to talking to you all. If you're listening on any of the major podcast providers, if you could give me a rate and review, that'd be fantastic. And also, if you have Port Adelaide-minded friends that like listening to podcasts, uh, just let them know about little old me. I'd appreciate it. Like I say every week, I want to build build this up a little bit and get out to as many people as I can because I love listening to Port Adelaide content and I'm sure there's a lot of other people who like listening to Port Adelaide Port Adelaide content too and uh, the more support I get the more I can build it up and potentially improve it so do that for more do that for me should I say and that'd be great that's all for me have a great weekend go the power I'll be uh, I'll be sitting in the crowd and hoping for a fantastic win but in the meantime um we'll wait and see about it Uh, my review podcast will probably be up around monday like it normally is Uh, that should be all ready to go and uh, we'll go over the match against carlton um but let's leave it at that shall we that's all for me and bye for now